Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast. We didn't do a podcast last night, um, and I'm going to be really honest. I, I just I didn't have it in me to lead the podcast last night. I was perfectly happy to sit there and be asked questions um, about about the transfer window. But uh, it was a long day yesterday expecting something to happen, and then nothing happened. And and uh, I think I, I think I well, I speak for myself. I don't speak for anyone else, but um when you look on Twitter and you hear everybody go, Villa won't sign anybody on transfer window day um, uh, until until the club actually says it. I think every single one of us cling to the hope that at 10.59 on, on transfer deadline day that somebody will come through the door, but it didn't happen. And uh, Paddy is here to join me tonight to, have, to uh, talk about the transfer window activity and then certainly the lack of activity that we had in the last week of the transfer window. Um and yeah, I suppose that's probably the best place to start, Paddy. Uh, talk to me about your feelings on it and what you think. Uh, uh, yeah, talk to me about it. I sent you an article today. I think it was Greg Evans. Was I sent you the snippet from it. And the word he used was flat. I think that's how I feel about it. Um, but I'm I'm still glass half full because um, while, I, while I am feeling a bit dejected that we didn't get some quality in, I'm happy that we didn't go and buy some of the drivel that some of the other clubs have bought in order to fill their squad. Mm. So I don't want to see a situation in 18 months time where we've got to offload the people that we offloaded in this transfer window in order to balance the books and, and, and get them off the, the, the wage bill and get them out of the building and, and into, you know, into hopefully a, a, a window where someone's going to buy them. So 
we we need to be buying players that are of the quality that's going to drive us into Europe and not to fill the squad. But the reason I'm flat is that we didn't manage to get another one or two in mm. to drive us on, and that that's it. I think we're a little bit light, and and that's why I'm flat. But having said all that, I'll I'll keep going back to the fact that we don't have fillers. We don't have guys coming off the bench now where we go, oh, she's, this, this fella's a shit show. God knows what we're going to get here. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to call people out and name them, but you know who they are. We, we, we had one recently that we had to fill in and uh, every time the ball came to him, we all cringed and then put our hands in our, <laughs> our laps and feared the worst. That's what we don't want in our squad. We, we want players who are ready to step up to the plate, push us on and push us into Europe because that has to be the next step. And another reason I'm flat is I believe that Europe is attainable. It's not completely unattainable at this stage, but I think with another couple of players, we could have really pushed on. I do I do think there's a number of clubs above us that with a couple of injuries could easily just float like a cannonball and, and just drop below us very, very easily. So that that's the way I'm thinking about the whole thing. I've gone on for a couple of minutes, but that that's exactly how I feel. Um, so forgive me if I'm not bubbly and effervescent, but on the other hand, I'm still glass glass half full. Yeah, look, I think there's, I think you you're doing well to find an Aston Villa fan that if you gave him through to him and put him onto a um a, a lie detector machine that wouldn't say, yeah, look, I would have loved another striker. I would have loved another striker to come in here, maybe another winger, because I think that's what we what what the squad probably needs to be like. That's what the squad needs to be filled out at this moment in time. And and when we're talking about filling out, I think I would feel happy with a striker. Um, I do you know what I would feel, I would have felt happy with two strikers to come in here, another young striker, and maybe um if we got a six month loan for somebody who could come who could come in and contribute straight away off the bench, maybe an older head. I'm thinking like as somebody like an Eden Jekyll, obviously not that exact player, but I'm thinking a player who can come in is wily old fox and 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 bridge the gap if that was something to happen because. And, and Paddy, I might take share in the same boat as you. you. You told me before this podcast we wouldn't be on the same on, on the same train, and we absolutely are. Because I actually I didn't really know Paddy's. Well, I knew Paddy's views, but he's never articulated them to me from his mouth. It's all been through text message over the last twenty four hours. So, um, so I, I kind of feel the same as you. I think we're probably a striker light, uh, for various reasons. Form reasons are strikers. The former strikers are have have had over. It could, could be times. two strikers late like, because no. we've we've got two players up there that aren't really strikers. So that, well, <laughs> well, yeah, that's but like we we've that's that's a furrow that, that we've spoken about previously as well. Yeah. But um, the yeah. Wiley like, there, I think you mentioned uh, who did you say? I said Aiden Jack or somebody like yeah. that. It, I I saw Everton going for Giroud yesterday, and that I went never happened. He would have been perfect for us if we'd have got that to happen. Everybody anyway, knows I love that was just my opinion. Ob- yeah. Obviously, he's at the back end of his career now as well, so it's uh, it, it wasn't one for us. But I, I, I heard the news yesterday with us not signing anybody. I went, fuck, If we'd have got him in on loan, that would have made a huge yeah. difference for six months. I think so anyway. too. I, I, I think so too. And we're, I'm going to take a look at something in a moment because what I did was I took the liberty of writing out what the squads were prior to January the 11th. Why January the 11th, Neil? Why pick an arbitrary date of January the 11th? 
because that's the date that we signed Alex Moreno. So before we signed anybody, and then after the transfer window shut, I've taken I've taken the, the liberty of looking at the two of those. But I want to discuss, I suppose, what our feelings are first because I've done a lot of thinking about it uh, last night um, after doing the, the Villa View and after doing Spaces, and, and I wanted to listen to other people's thoughts. So get that. I uh, I know I like to talk an awful lot, but yesterday I just wasn't in the mood, and I, and I wanted to listen to hear what other people were saying because I was pretty much not my normal positive self at about eight o'clock yesterday evening. And uh, I needed somebody to tell me it was okay. Or I needed somebody to tell me potentially it could be okay, if that makes sense. And it's okay to admit that. Um, so so that's why we didn't do a podcast last night. But um, I've completely lost my train of thought now where I was going with it, trying to do the disclaimer as to why I, we didn't I admire the, the fact that you could actually go and talk about it last night because I just went to bed because I was just totally deflated. I got a text message at... Quarter to nine to say the shutters are down, we're gone. Yeah. Uh, the place was closed up, so there was nobody There was nobody coming in at that stage. There was nobody even in the offices of Villa Park or Bodymore Heath, so mm-hmm. I, I was just like, that's me, gone to bed. I'm, I was I was flat. <laughs> I keep yeah. using that word, I was flat. But yeah, I was deflated. I was deflated last night. I was a bit better about it this morning. But uh, it, it is disappointing. I think there's, there's so much we could have done, but... On the other hand, I, I keep reiterating the fact that I'm happy we didn't buy shite and be mm. stuck with them. Yes, this is where, what I wanted to get back to. You mentioned there that, and this is probably where we kind of differ in our views. And it's okay, like, as I say, I would love us to get into Europe. And I don't think that while we've got the manager we have, we should ever write that off specifically. Um, with You mentioned about getting into Europe and about a chance to pu- to push on. Um. I, I personally think that Chelsea and Liverpool are going to finish in the top six and that the top seven is going to be um, City, Arsenal, or not, not in this order, okay? City, Arsenal, United, Newcastle, uh, Liverpool, Chelsea is going to be the top six and then Spurs are going to be in there as well. So, like, I don't know what order they're going to fill in, don't, so don't, don't tie me to that. I think that's what the top seven are going to be. I think Brighton, Fulham are going to come back to the um to, to the mean. And I think we could have leapfrogged them. So I think with a couple of signings, we could have finished eighth. Maybe got seventh. And I mean, maybe that's, that's, if, Liverpool, that's if Chelsea just didn't gel at all. Um, but, and I seven, agree with seven this. Or, seven or eight could have got us, could have got us into uh, exactly. the conference league. Yeah. And yeah. with that, it's easier to attract players. And that 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 is... The whole thing behind my, yes. my trade of thought with this. If we're if we're even playing conference league, you get the up and coming players to go. I get to play in Europe with Aston Villa, a Premier League team. That'll do for me. But I don't I don't want to see us pick up a couple of injuries and finish sixteenth, which could very easily happen. So I don't believe it will happen. I'm just saying it could very easily happen. I think yeah. we'll finish probably somewhere around where we are now, but I do expect the arse to fall out of a couple of the teams above us. I'm not gonna name them. Yeah, so and and I think that that could happen too. I also think that with our recent run of form and our recent trajectory, that I think we can go at the weekend. Spoiler alert for our preview tomorrow, but I think we can go at the weekend. We can win, which gives us another three points. Um, we have a game in hand on Fulham. I think it is. I think Fulham. We game in hand on most because we haven't played Le- played yesterday Leicester yet. That was the game oh, that was yeah. cancelled when the Queen died. Yeah. So we've we've to play Leicester twice, which. Because we're down the bottom end of the table, it doesn't really matter to rearrange it, and they'll rearrange it when it doesn't suit either of us. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's another bugbear of mine. So we 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 have that game in hand over 
a couple of them I think that we could potentially catch. Hmm. But like we're three we're three points off sixth. I think if we got ahead of those two those the Brentfords, the Fulhams, the Brightons, yeah. we could easily get into Europe. And I don't buy the argument that getting into Europe will kill us. That's a load of rubbish. I I, I don't either. Yeah, I, I, especially the Conference League, even with the yeah. early starts for the Conference League, because I, th- I think that that's kind of like the Intertoto. You can use that as a tune-up session, you know. Absolutely, and it's it's pre-season, and it's it's getting legs into it's getting mm-hmm. minutes into the legs for other players who might be on the periphery, depending on who we're drawn against. So there's a whole lot there's a whole lot there. We could you, you can't you can't say getting into Europe is a bad thing, no matter what it is. It's like saying getting into the Champions League is a bad thing. It's a load of shit. You know, you want you want to be at the top of the game. You want to push into Europe and make them spend the money to get the players to survive, have enough back up there to, to to be competing at that level and to fill the park an extra three or four or five nights and bring more money into the coffers and with the new with the new uh, stand being built. So there's loads of reasons why we wanted to be in Europe, but I just think it's gonna be a little bit beyond us now. Ah, oh, damn it. I wanted to go into transfer market and I wanted to see when players, even players that we had out on loan when their contracts were finishing up, but they've moved them all off transfer market already to their new teams. So I'll try and find that in, in a moment. Just interesting because obviously we, um, Freddie Gilbert wasn't going to be here. We we ripped up his contract. We let him go and so on. Um, and uh, he said, this is the Leicester game from last year. The Leicester yeah. game that was cancelled last year was away. This is the Leicester game from. This isn't the Leicester game. No, is this not, this isn't the re- rearranged one from from September when the Queen died. No, it's not. No, this is the. No, this is the. This home is game. a scheduled game. Yeah. Yeah. This is the. This is the scheduled game. Exactly. Yeah. This is the scheduled game. So, let's take a little look at the squads. Okay, calculators out, guys, because I've just remembered I forgot to do a total squad squad number here, and I know that there's a little bit of artistic license in this. So bear with me. And there's reasons for it. Context is king. As we like to say on this podcast, context is king. Well, I like to say it anyway. Uh, I say it on, on the transfer podcast and the, the scouting podcast, should I say. Um, not specifically this one. But talk amongst yourselves there. Because what I want to do is I want to bring up some slides that I've done. And they take, of course, they're taking forever to load on the screen. Uh, just as I do this. Because uh, I can see Method to Madness for letting some players go. Um, also, I want to like, as I say, the, the, the con- there is a bit of context that I want to I want to try and bring because, as I said, this is called transfer windows thoughts and things. So I don't know if any of this is exactly what went on in the boardroom for obvious reasons. I don't know whether this is going to be a successful plan or ploy. But what I want to do is I want to maybe just try and reason things out because, as I said, uh, I did a lot of listening to people. I did a lot of reading of of, of other people's thoughts yesterday, and um. Uh, as I say, some things made sense to me, you know, when we looked at it. But anyway, let's take a look. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. So here we have it. Ins and outs. And I've included some some lone players of, of guys that were, were were never going to see the light of day uh, in a Premier League game uh, this season. The likes of Louis Barry was never going to see the light of day in the, in the Premier League game this season. Aaron Ramsey was never going to see the light of game in a Premier League game this season. Nor was uh, Lamar Bogart. But still, we popped them in there. So what we can see here is we have... 10 people went out in uh, over the course of the transfer window. Ings, the Campbell, Gilbert, Sansan, Augustinson, Benarek, Bogard, Archer, Barry, Ramsey. There was obviously other loans as well, but they were kind of, I suppose, the, the names that, that went out. Of those players, of those players, realistically, when we look down at every single one of those players, Danny Ings was the only player that got meaningful minutes for Aston Villa. 
I, I, like that's I think that's a fair statement to make. Yeah, and the only other one in, in my view I'd have kept. People may not agree is Bednarak, because I I think you know if we picked up more injuries I'd be a little bit worried. But look, that's that, yeah, that's just my opinion. He didn't get enough games, and I'm sure Southampton needed him back as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that that was a case where by now Bednarek was apparently on 60 grand a week as well. And we were picking up those wages. I'm going to go into something like that in a moment. I don't have it on slides. I just didn't have time to put it on slides, but it's an interesting thought process. So what we're going to look at here is a lot of people say that our squad is an awful lot lighter in numbers than it was prior to yesterday or prior to the to, to the transfer window. That's not strictly true. Well, it is. It is. We are lighter, but it's not strictly true that we're an awful lot lighter. We'll take a look at that. In is John Duran, Moreno, Bertie's come back, and Kane Kessler-Hayden, who I have to say, I'm going to talk a small bit about Kane Kessler-Hayden, if you don't mind, Petty, because before, before Bob was kicked in anger in the Premier League this season, coming back off the Australia tour, people were genuinely talking about Kane Kessler-Hayden usurping Matty Cash before the year was out. So having him back in the team is a viable player. He's not, he, he will be with the first team. He will. And I read today that Swill uh, Swinkles or Sil Swinkles has been training with the first team all week as well. So um, just uh, an off, offside comment there with regards to, to Swinkles. But anyway, so this is where we are. It looks bad. 10 people out, four people in. Obviously, the numbers don't match up in that instance there. Now, you when we look your, at it here... You, you forgot your mate. Uh, Courtney House can't walk at the moment, though. <laughs> He's still back. <laughs> but, but he can't play for Aston Villa. They're the PF... Uh, the, the Whatever the PFL, or whatever the, the players' uh, union is, are trying to negotiate to see what he can actually do. Because at oh, the right. moment... At the moment, uh, Watford aren't going to register him, or they haven't registered registered him. If they don't register him, Apparently, there's something about because he's on loan. There's, uh, th- there's some hoo ha anyway with regards to his treatment. And apparently, if if Wofford do that, then they don't have to give him X amount of treatment, and they only have to give him uh, a limited amount of treatment. But that will actually mean that it'll take a six months of a recovery. Whereas if he gets the the better treatment, it'll be a lot shorter. It might only be a two month recovery. So it's it's all about player welfare. And, and I fully back Courtney House. As I say, I would love to have him back in there, and and if we did have him, it wouldn't it wouldn't negate the 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 Ian Bednarak, I think situation of having a, a player that would uh, would cover a body, should I say? So here's the squad pre January the 11th. I have put in here fitness adjusted here. I have no idea why I put in there. Why did that sound good when I was doing this? So bear with me in on that one. So we've got three goalkeepers in Martinez, Olsen, Jed Steer. Yes, it was because of Jed Steer. Uh, we have Young, who covers right back, left back. Cash, who covers right back. Dina and Augustinson, who are two left backs. Mings, Kanza, Chambers, Bednarak, all three centre halves. Uh, four centre halves there. We had Dendonker, Kamara, Nakamba, Luis, McGinn, Ramsey, Sansan, Buendia, and Coutinho, who are all midfield players, whether they're wide players, whether they're tens, whether they're, they're sixes, whether they're eights, whatever you want to call it. They all play in and around the midfield area. And then we had four players that played up front. We had Ings, Watkins, Bailey, and Archer. Okay, so that's and, and that was our squad. Obviously, we had young players with Caden Young who came in and out. He's still here, doesn't count to the 25. That's fine. We had the likes of Lamar Bogard and all those on the bench. These are the players that played meaningful minutes for us. 
and and Archer is even a stretch to be honest here because he hasn't got he's got no real game time this season at all. So when we look at it from this point from the point of view of our squad as of yesterday. I think the argument is less that we don't have numbers, that we're down so many numbers that we're going to tread our squad. I think the argument is we are lacking quality as opposed to bodies. And the reason being is we're only one player less off uh, after post-January the 31st than we were on January the 11th. We're only one player less off, and that's a midfield player. Based on, obviously, Bertie's going to come in and I'm taking artistic license. I understand here with, with Carlos, who's due to return mid-February, start the March, and that Bertrand Traore is going to be a forward joker, maverick, wildcard player, whether it's the wing, whether it's going to play up top in a number nine role. I know I'm taking artistic license with regards to that. But from a body's point of view, when you look at the bodies, and I hope I haven't made any mistake in this, we're only one player down. Now, the argument for me, and I fully agree with, with anybody who makes this argument, is we've lost quality in the striker department because we've lost that Cameron Archer, who I feel is, is, a, is the potential to be a quality player. We've lost Ings. I don't think we've lost quality in the midfield, in the Kamba and Sansan. I don't really think we've lost quality in that midfield position. Talk to me, Paddy. Am I... Oh, well, I, I like... It's arguable whether we we should have kept Sanson around when we didn't get Guendouzi, but uh, yeah, the, the 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 main the main worry for me is up front. I'm not worried about midfield at all. I'm slightly worried about centre half if Carlos takes a bit longer to come back. Um, we've John McGinn coming back from injury. He's back on the grass today, so mm-hmm. it's another one coming back. Just really worried about injuries. Um, mm-hmm. when you when you look at Bertie. Tendency to be made of glass. Bailey goes down a little bit too easy for me. Watkins, fine. Duran, we don't know enough about. So there's there's just a little bit of a fear that we won't have enough up top. And who do we fill it with? Do we put Coutinho up there? Do we do we end up putting Ramsey up there if 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 we get that tied up there? Um, Bertie's going to be another few weeks. Obviously, Carras is going to be another few weeks. I think we're okay at the moment. We'll pick up another couple of injuries, then we're really, really treadbare. 100%. And mm-hmm. arguably, we were treadbare prior to the 11th of January if we got injuries as well. Yeah. But, but I, I suppose to look at that, what are the numbers there? Three and nine is 12 and four. So we've got 23 players, albeit three of those are, are goalkeepers. We've 20 outfield players. Um, Caden Young is obviously going to make the bench a couple of times this season. It'll be interesting to see if Sprinkles is the man that comes in and makes the bench as that extra extra centre half. He's been somebody who's got lost in the mix. I'm not a fan of relying on the kids like that to to pad out the squad in an injury crisis. I know some people are. Um, I'm maybe a fan of one kid, but when you start to see three and four, it reminds me of the era where the likes of Jonathan Hogg, Chris Hurd, Isaiah Osborne, all these guys were getting runs in the team and they clearly weren't good enough to play for Aston Villa at that, at that period of time. Indiana Vasilev, you know, we go back to those, ty- those types of players. It's great to have our own, don't get me wrong, but to throw somebody in who's undercooked is not fair to the player himself. Mm. Um, now, they could have, an, have a Marcus Rashford effect, whereby they come out of nowhere and next thing, all of a sudden, they grab their chance with both hands and become a brilliant player, but they're unicorns. You know, they are unicorn-type players when, when, when that happens. Um and as I say, we've got, I think the biggest thing is the unknown aspect of our striking department is completely unknown. 
and um, we've no idea what Joanna is going to be like. We've no idea what Bertie's going to come back and play like in this in this setup, and that's scary because you need to score goals to win games. You know, you do need to score goals to win games. Yeah, and in fairness to Bertie, he's got his goals. He's got his valuable goals at times, um, and he's done the, the unthinkable on the pitch at some at sometimes. It just doesn't do it often enough for me. So, you know, while it, while I'm happy he's back, I think it was an important number to get back in the door. But uh, it just it just keeps Bailey and Watkins on their toes, and I think that's important. Yeah. That if you don't, if you're very light in certain departments, players get comfortable because they know they're virtually untouchable, and we can't have that either. Not that I think Emery will let them away with that either. No, I don't think so. I think under the previous regime, yes, uh, you could see it happen. Um, just I just highlighted the uh, comment there from Marine Boy. Ashley Young can play as a striker. He's played everywhere else. He he actually started off as a striker for Aston Villa in the number ten role behind John Carew. Um, at times when he first came into Aston Villa and look, hey, I'm not going to sit here and say Ashley Young can't play anywhere I'm expecting him to stand in for goal, in for penalty kicks at some stage before the season is out so uh, um, yeah, I, I've been bitten by that one before the saying that Ashley Young can't do something he's gone back and thrown it in my face so um, so yeah, absolutely I think and this is another interesting one as well from, from Jin JVFC 96 can we please remember that we've 18 games left that's one game a week realistically we will be fine Um. I, I hope I, I hope we're fine, but you could get four injuries in one game, yeah, and 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 that yeah. look, it's 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 as it's as likely that we get no injuries as it is that we we get four injuries over that time. But I suppose the one thing is it's yeah. it's a variable that we can't control. It's like the weather; we cannot control injuries. And um, as what I was going to say, it's like, it's it like VAR. It, it does average out at one game a week, but you're going to have obviously that Leicester game has to be shoehorned in there. You're gonna have FA Cup weekends where we're due to play someone that's still yes. in the cup and that'll have to be moved. Yeah. So the you know, at that at that back end of the season, it's the equivalent of playing European football when you've got those yeah. games thrown in there. So that that's why the, the getting into Europe never never bothered me. If yeah. if players are if, if if we've enough players and enough quality players, we shouldn't be worrying about players getting tired or injured or anything like that because we'll have plenty to back up. But that'll come in the summer, maybe. Maybe so. Now, let me bring these slides off because I want to talk about another piece. I said this is thoughts and these are, are things. I don't know if any of this is true, but I think there's a hypothesis and a, and a theory in this, Paddy. And I want you to talk to me on this. If like, like, Take it for what it is. This, is this, this is likely not the reason that we didn't spend. I think Greg Evans came out today and said there was money there to spend. Emery choose, chose not to waste it wanted to bring it into the into the trends into the summer and i asked the question yesterday i said why the hell do people do that why do teams save it for the summer like if you want him in january get him amortize it over an extra six months and see what happens now a great point was made to me and oh jesus i'm so sorry i don't have the names of the people that uh that, that made these points to me um marco was one of them yesterday and he spoke about, uh, he said that with regards to financial fair play, and yes, I know people are going to talk about the Chelsea model. Bear with me in a moment, uh, and, and we, we'll discuss that in a second. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In our financial, so when we first came up, we obviously had a massive operating loss, huge operating loss for that year between the players that we bought, the lack of funds that we had. Uh, we were also after every penny that the, the, that the club made went into paying off debts for the previous regime and so on and so forth. Obviously, we had the owners who come in who were pumping money in. There was X amount of money they could, they, they, they can, they, they could, could pump in. Over the course of that year, up to May 2020, we had an operating loss of, so depending on what one you take, and I don't know what one is taken for financial fair play because the new owners bought Villa Park for, I think it was 50 million. So we either had a 69 million euro loss or million pound loss, or we had a 105 million pound loss. Now, I'm led to believe that the 105 million pound loss is the one that's taken for the number. So essentially, when you balance up financial fair play, that's the last year. So that year is still on our financial fair play um, slate at the moment. That drops off on the 31st of May this year. So essentially, that, that 105 million loss noose around our neck. Shocking phrase, I know, and I, I try my best not to use it, but that's what it is. That drops off. So the headroom we have for spending money increases. Now, it's very specific that I talk about this summer. And I think this summer is really specific as well because in 2024, there is going to be new financial fair play laws that come in that dictate that it starts off that you can only spend 90% of your income in wages, then 80% of your income, and then it drops down to 70% of income over the course of three years. So essentially what the club could be looking at here is if we give ourselves that financial fair play headroom of an extra 105 million by not blowing the bank and trying to tighten our belt in January, which no one likes to hear, and I don't want to hear it either, because the club should be able to, to spend something in January, even if it was 3 million on Moussa Dembele. So don't get me wrong on this. It's not an excuse. It's a theory. If we go in with that extra 105 million headroom into the summer, in a summer whereby potentially it could turn into a Wild West situation for some teams that have been smart enough to bank that money that don't have the income of a Chelsea or a Man City, then we might be likely to see the 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 money spent, the likes of maybe a 45 million on a Nico Williams or a 30 million on a Guendouzi and another 60 million or whoever. I don't know. That's my theory. Paddy, what do you think? Is that is that a harebrained theory or could there be some merit to that as well? To be honest with you, about 18 months ago, I stopped paying heed to financial fair play when Man City were able to get off their European ban. Mm -hmm. To me, it only applies to those that sit below the, the supposed Super League, European Super League teams. They can buy their way out of it. So I, I, I honestly don't know what it means anymore. I, I if if of they course. can yeah. if they if they can just have enough money to buy their way out of it, I, I don't know what it means. And to be honest, I've lost complete fucking interest in it because it's a farce. And Chelsea had a transfer ban reduced. What's the point in giving them a, a transfer ban if you're going to reduce it? So all all of these things just lead me to believe that 
you know, Europe and the Premier League need these teams who are heavily supported all around the world, all around England uh, and, and Ireland um, that are heavily supported. They need the, those fans spend the money on Sky Sports, on tickets, on uh, any subscriptions that are there. So they're protected. And I, I don't believe if we, if I believe if we really blew financial fair play out of water, we wouldn't be as protected. So, I I honestly don't know what it is. I I, I don't know. They're, they're finding ways around it. Chelsea went absolutely gaga giving out those long contracts last summer. And now, only now, only now they're talking about closing that after the horses bolted. Why yeah. did they not do it last September? I'll tell you why. Because it was Chelsea and not Fulham or Aston Villa or Bournemouth. Because they, they need Chelsea performing. There's millions upon millions of fans throughout the world who are who are supporting Chelsea and they need their money. So they're overprotected. FFP only applies if you're poor. So to, I, I honestly have no interest in talking about it. Yeah, the the whole point though, as I said, was that's that could be a theory as to why we, we want to give ourselves headroom because maybe yeah, we're, no, no, like, I totally it looks get like we're saying. the fools yeah. that are acting within FFP. Now it, it it like the income for the club at the moment. The club isn't bringing in an awful lot of income outside of game day receipts, you know. Um, mm. and and like we're not set like we sold Jack Grealish. Whoop to do, you know. Like like we don't sell players that for for massive amounts of money. It's game day receipts. Chelsea, in fairness to them, game day receipts, massive sponsorship deals. I'm not going down the road of sponsorship deals tonight. I really don't have it in me. So I don't know will I ever have it in me in the podcast to do a sponsorship deal, to do it about this sponsorship deal. When it's released, we might rethink it again. But the commercial aspect of a Chelsea or a Man City is like the earning power of them is like we're nowhere near that. And when we look at, I suppose, financial fair play, we can't buy our way out of financial fair play. And, and I agree with you, Paddy. Yeah. That's why it keeps the poor poor. And that's why it keeps the rich rich. And look, that's, that, if we are to play within the rules, I think that could be, that could be a reason whereby... Uh, whereby we could look at it. Because if you think about it, Christian Perslow did mention when we first got promoted, he spoke in, in terms of like, Bournemouth can outspend us comfortably because they've been in the Premier League for three years. And he meant three years of the reporting for financial fair play when he spoke about that. Because he specifically talked about the three-year period you needed to be in the league. Now, look, I know we're probably following rules and teams like Chelsea and Man City aren't. But if the club is following those rules and we don't have the means to spend above our means without getting loans from from um from the owners and to be in a situation whereby if the owners did decide that they were going to toss them toss the everything over the overboard and fuck off back to 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 use their money somewhere where it's not going to be going into a money pit you know mm. we don't want to be in a situation where we're like yeah okay right we're, we're an unsaleable asset because you know, we've got 700 million worth of debts to our owners and our owners aren't willing to write it off. Like a Mike Ashley, we don't want to have something like that. I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's completely hypothetical. It's completely theoretical. So it's just something I thought I'd bring up because maybe we're playing to those rules and maybe it yeah. might be a reason why. But we do there's know couple, there was money. There was money there to be things. spent that wasn't spent. There's a couple of things we need to do to be, to be eaten at the top table. I, I went to Spurs on New Year's Day, as you know. Uh, the yes. day before, the day before, I did a tour of the the stadium. I tried to count how many people were in each area at any given time, and there was at least a hundred people in about six different stops along the along yeah. the tour. That's six hundred people paying. I think it was twenty five quid for the tour. 
I'm not joking you when I tell you that was 70% Koreans oh, all there for Young Min's son. Yeah. So maybe we need to go and buy someone like uh, Lee from Mallorca who we were linked with. Um, someone along those lines that will bring in. Uh, I went to Morocco in August. ZH jerseys absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And I, I'm not talking about the cheap ones you buy at the side of the street. Every one of them had the real McCoy with ZH on the back of it. It's just the all these things are money spinners. We we just haven't like the the first thing I saw us do to compete along those levels is John Carew and John Duran speaking mm-hmm. Spanish. John, <laughs> you know? John Pablo, yeah. I, well, Pablo sorry, Angel, Juan, Juan Pablo yeah, yeah. Angel and and uh, who are bo- yeah. both are capable of speaking good English, but we yeah. did it in Spanish. So maybe the tide is turning with that, but we we don't know how big of an asset John Duran is going to be. But I'm just giving you an example. If you if you if you go to any of these, like if you if you look at Man City after they score a goal, we don't have the limbs that we have. Fellas falling over the whole end, over the seat in front of you. They've about four thousand people with their phones out like that, taking yeah. pictures and videos. That's that's just the way it's gone. They're the guys that are rocking up and spending the big money. They're 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 coming from all over the world and spending huge oh, yeah. money on season tickets that they don't even get to use that they're selling back to Man City. Um, like my, my family are Man City season ticket holders and they will tell you that things have changed beyond recognition since they first got those uh, season tickets 15, 16 years ago whenever they moved into the city of Manchester Stadium. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things we can do. I think that that video was the start to have it in Spanish. Yeah, there's a whole lot more we can do, but I, I think we need to attract a huge player from somewhere in the world that's going to give this influx of interest into our club. And when you have them, you keep them. Those all those all those Korean fans that that were in uh, White Hart Lane, they're 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 sports fans for life now. Yes. You know, you have them. They will come even long after Son is gone. So, look, that's that's just my humble opinion. I think that's no, something we can work on. 100%. Oh, that was a big thing. When I when I did the transfer uh, or the, the scouting pod on Ekanging, um, would it I, I dedicated a whole two pages to um the Valencia uh, sporting director basically saying this is a huge money spinner to have this guy in the academy. Not even after making he didn't even make his debut for the club at that stage. It was a huge mm. money spinner for Valencia. They said it's just a beauty that this guy's a good footballer on top of it. You know, you look at Chelsea or you look at Celtic. Celtic is like the Orient and, and uh, in, in, in the North at the moment. And, and that's a compliment to them because what they've done is they've thought outside the box. Long have they gone from going and trying to pick up journeyman uh, Premier League or, or championship players. They've gone and they've said, oh, hey, we brought in a guy from who coached over in the J-League. Let's go and exploit the hell out of the, the market over there that seems to be completely untouched other than the German market. Because the German teams have been doing that for years, they've gone away. They've bought half the Japanese, the Japanese international team, yeah. and they're absolutely flying it. And I can guarantee you the commercial impact on Celtic Football Club from having—is it five? I think or six, six Japanese players at the moment. The commercial five impact Jap- there: five Japanese and one Korean. I think. One, oh, the, yes, they did. They signed. They signed the Korean guy. The the, yeah. the the commercial impact on that is going to be massive. Specifically, yeah. if they actually do anything in the Champions League at any stage uh, with those players in the team this year, they didn't. But you know, um, that is that is a consideration for sure, absolutely. So 
I'm glad that you mentioned that as well because my 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 whole wrap it up in a bow talking point and 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 why I mentioned that theory is on having that headroom may be beneficial for us at the moment because our um our our earning power or income is not really you know it's nowhere near comparable to 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 the top uh, top six or the top um the top seven clubs within within uh, the league um do you want to know something as well here I, I another thought that i had and somebody had this written down I, I i if you're watching the podcast you had an absolutely brilliant thread on twitter and i am so sorry that i have uh i have forgotten your name um and it's so sorry so much so that i'm so sorry that i'm actually going to mark burton matt burton was his name and matt went through and he had once again this is going back to financial fair play don't shoot me it's a theory it's not an excuse um, but it's going back to the specifically the Danny Ings move, and the Danny Ings being on the wages he was on, and what Matt what Matt calculated out that Danny Ings contributed to almost ten percent of our between the amortization of his contract of his purchase eighteen months ago from from uh, Southampton and the wages he was on, he contributed to almost ten percent of our entire financial fair play budget if this was going to be the new rules in 2024. And obviously we're playing by the rules because that's that they're, they're the rules. We don't have the money to buy our, buy our way out of them. And that just blew, it blew my mind. But he did the calculation. I've linked the tweet. If you go back, you find it under my like tweets. I've liked it and I've retweeted it. It's just a really interesting way of thinking of something like that as well. Danny Ings may not have been contributing to us in minutes in the field. Yes, he had six goals. But potentially the club was looking at it from this point of view. If they were, if they were looking at this financial fair play ceiling and to give us more wiggle room in the summer, which I seriously don't believe they were, it's just a theory that he makes a really good argument. Yeah, yeah. I, Coutinho is probably costing about so you, you double that maybe fifteen percent. But this is we couldn't get rid of Coutinho. The reason he mentioned Ings is because we, got, we, we were able to sell Ings, and plus we sold him with a fifteen. So we negated. We were able to amortize his his uh, his cost, plus bring fifteen or twelve million or whatever it is back into our income income pile as well. So we couldn't get rid of Coutinho. I'm sure if we got rid of Coutinho, this would have been a really good in, interesting study yeah. as well. But if just I think it would be about fifteen percent. So between two players potentially, we would have had somewhere in the line of. Uh, somewhere between 20 and 20, 25%, maybe. Don't know if this is true, but it just made me giggle <laughs> if my target is getting 100 grand a week. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that means <clears throat> it's getting 120 either. You know, a lot of people go, and, and the numbers I, I, I quoted, just the numbers from Capology. I'll tell you a story about Capology. They have John McGinn at earning 27 or 22,000 uh, per year. Mm. I sent them an email, made up a figure that John McGinn was earning. Two days later, they had changed the John McGinn's earning based on my email to them, um, and now it's changed again. So maybe they've gone and they've sourced what it is, what it is exactly. But uh, I made up a figure, and 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 I told them, and it did change that. I remember, remember, Paddy, I messaged you. I said, "Let's see what happens here," um, because I'm always skeptical of sites that that are able to quote exact figures for salaries um, in the Premier League because no one knows. No one knows it. There, it's all guesstimation and so on. I, I, I um, saw a, f- a friend of mine renaming them on Twitter. What do they call Capology? Is it? 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He called them bollocksology. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, they may, they may, like, they're very new. They're very new to the market. They came from a, an American base whereby uh, agents released the earnings of their, of their players, uh, as in the overall contract uh, mm-hmm. numbers in the NFL, the NBA, and all that, because it seems a status thing. Like you always want to be the next guy who gets the biggest contract, whereas you know you hear you hear murmurings and rumblings and stuff like that in in uh, in European football. And it's not really released unless you're John Arnarisa and somebody posts a picture of your your wage slip um, that they found when they were uh, when they were picking up your bin or something along those lines. Remember that? And it was ridiculous the amount of tax that he was paying. It made, well, I still I, I think it was something that, like he was getting eighty grand a week or whatever like that, but he was paying well over 40 of it 40 grand a week in tax anyway this is not a budgeting um a budgeting podcast but it's just an interesting one as i said it's thoughts and things just throwing stuff out there i have no idea whether it is but it's something to work worth uh worth thinking about patty have you any other thoughts on on on, on i suppose the window because realistically we're going to draw a line under because guess what there's nothing we can do Unless we bring in somebody like Isco who who reneged on his move or who Union Berlin reneged on the move for um or we find some guy who's on a free transfer. Because even if people get their contracts torn up now, am I right in saying, Paddy, that they can't sign for us? They can't sign outside of the window if their contract is torn up outside the window. If it's t- it has to be torn up before eleven o'clock last night for us to sign. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was my thought as well. Which yeah. is which is how they got that Matt Doherty won over the line without even he didn't even need to do a medical until today they just announced it so yeah yeah so I, I think the only like I sent you that message yesterday about Isco you hadn't even realised that he had torn that that no. had gone pear shaped with uh, with Berlin so he he's one that's out there that I felt could have done a job for us on on a short term basis um somebody will snap him up I'm sure but I don't think there's too many Iscos out there. I, th- I think is I, I think okay right who really wants to get the tinfoil hat on here Coutinho if I'm there was a thing out there today to say that Coutinho could still move I don't know how I didn't read it it was a headline um, if anybody could tell me that could, is there still a transfer window open somewhere it had to be um, done by 10 o'clock tonight so that that's done you can't is it was it okay as far as, right. as I'm aware if, if he moved to any of the countries that were till 10 o'clock tonight Eleven o'clock European time, he could have gone, but we we couldn't sign anybody from those countries. But he could have gone, so that's past. Are we there? Yes, because there, there was talks that potentially he was going to go back to Brazil. And could you imagine if, like, I would say, you get Coutinho goes with his quarter of a million a week, and Isco well, comes in. I think it's a like for like replacement in a lot of ways. Isco the thing is, is treading. If it Coutinho is if it is Brazil, it's not ten o'clock at night there yet. As Connor Hennessy will tell us if yeah. he's there. So it's only about eight or two o'clock in the afternoon. So they could still do it, but it's it's unlikely. I I I think yeah. he'll probably he'll probably keep him on now at this stage. Yeah, but as, as I said, there that's that's like if if you're really clutching at a straw as to how we could have a signing come in here, that's the one. And I think that's the only way Isco comes in to sign for Aston Villa 
I would even be a bit kind of tentative of saying, okay, having Iscon Coutinho, they're on a similar trajectory with regards to their um to their to their to their play. And also, if you really want to go go by it as well, Coutinho was brought in because he was mates with uh, with, with Gerard and played with him. Who gave Isco his his uh, debut for uh, Valencia um, back in the day? Unai Emery. You said it, Unai Emery. But Unai Emery also sold him to Malaga. Then, well, he didn't sell him. Didn't want to sell him. Malaga triggered a six million six million release clause, and then he had to go. But Unai Emery gave him his gave him his big break. So, uh, look, there's nothing going to happen in that. We're not breaking news. There's nothing in that. I'm saying that that's a hypothetical. That's that's the only hypothetical way I could see a free transfer coming in uh, anytime soon. Um, but if you think about it, and we were talking about financial fair play, I would imagine that will be a massive saving on the balance sheet. Because if you think of the players that we've let go already, based on those numbers from Capology, and I do hold my hand up and say that potentially some of them may not be true, we have broken out at seven eight hundred and twenty k per month, and nobody wants to hear about that. Spend the money if it's there, but you know, there's potentially. Uh, as I say, I'm 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 making a, a, a theory here that we're creating a lot of headroom for the for the summer, um, to make to, to spend money, and if we don't, I will be. I'll be less uh, less understanding than I am now. Put it that way. If we if if we don't spend in the summer because we obviously need uh, mm. players in um, in Con- the summer. Connor season. Connor is is there, so he might tell us what time locally that transfer window closes in Brazil. Connor Hennessy, paging 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 Connor paging Connor there in Brazil. Uh, what time does the transfer window close? <laughs> this this question has been asked a few times, Neil. If you want to address it, how many of the first team will go in the summer? Well, let's bring up our thing here again. So I think Robin Olsen will go. I think Jed Steer will go. And I think we'll bring, I think Sinisalo and we'll bring in another goalkeeper. So I think that's two players that will go there. Um, I think Chambers will go. I yep. think, I think Coutinho will go. I'm going to throw one from left field. I think Bailey will go. I think somebody up there will go. I think somebody like that. There'll be somebody we won't expect. So I don't know. I yeah. didn't count there. What's that? Two, three, four. Five. I think five. I think five of the players that we see there in the screen will go. I think we'll add players in. Potentially Dina might go as well. Who knows? Um, mm. But I, I do think we will see changes. And I think most of the changes will come in the defensive side of things. And I think there'll be more additions to the... Uh, Bertie will go, I would imagine. Once he's come back and done his six months stint with us, I would yeah. imagine he will go unless he turns into peak um someone who's good. My mind isn't working at the moment. I think um, if there's a I think if there's a taker, then Donker goes as well. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Mm. But you'll hear me say this an awful lot in the summer. Make sure you've the players in as well, you know, make sure we have a healthy balance of players coming in and players going out. We don't want to be in a situation, as I say, where all these players go out and then we're we're, we're filling holes with um you know, you know with players afterwards. So all in I all he- I think I think we're heading for a big summer anyway. Yeah. I think I think he's gonna have to in order to compete and push on, he's gonna have to bring in I I'm gonna hazard a guess at five. And yeah, I, I think, think that will mean at least three going out of what's there, possibly more. So, in order to have that twenty-five plus our homegrown players in there, um, I think Jacob Ramsey goes out of that next year, doesn't he? He has yes. to be classed as one of the twenty-five. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 
that, that that's that's what I'm thinking. Uh, someone saying there that Ashley Young might retire. That that's possible too. That's what. Dep- yeah, that's depending, possible. depending on how the next six months goes. Um, if he but, does, look, we will still see him with an Aston Villa jacket on. I would imagine in some way, shape, or form. Mm. Connor Hennessy reckons it closes the middle of March. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's internally. I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure it was I ten o'clock it... tonight. Was the was the if you were signing someone from Europe, that's your, that you had until then to do it. Yeah, as I said, hey, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> it's I don't not think going so. to happen. We will not get notifications in our phones before we wake up tomorrow that Coutinho has gone to Corinthians or whatever the story is. It's not going to happen. We're just spitballing. As I say, it's called transfer window thoughts and things. It's a complete nutter throw, throw to the wall and uh, and just talk about it uh, for tonight. Um. Yeah, so look, I suppose all in all, look, going back, to, and, and we finish on this, Paddy. Look, it's not the end of the world. Uh, I, I think well, we, started, we started off the podcast, both of us, and we were saying that, look, it's frustrating. We would like to see more quality and more bodies come in there. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, it's not really the end of the world um, as we stand at the moment. As we spoke on the podcast, we kind of both agreed that we were part with it. If we think we were light with injuries now, then that means we were probably light with injury. If we got injuries prior to January the 11th, um, with, with the makeup of the team, albeit that we had, uh, had a recognized striker and Danny Ings there, but you know, we're not a million miles worse off than we were. I think it's quality that's missing. And the players that have gone out, the Sansons and the Cambas, the Bednaraks, the Augustinsons, they offered us, uh, they only offered us 347 minutes over the course of this season so far. So, like, that's not an awful lot. And Danny Ings offered us uh, 830-odd minutes uh, over the course mm. of the season, which is which is out of out of 12,501 minutes that we could have had. Um, that was like 10%. And 9.36% um, is, is what that was of the minutes. Now, you could say that he was underutilized. I completely understand that as well. Uh, because there is an argument to be made there. But so when we talk about it, the bodies are gone, the contingency is gone, the actual level, the effort and field from a minute's point of view balances out, I think, as well. But we, yeah. you know, and as I say, uh, we we have Unai Emery as well, which is is is, is a trump card too, I think, based on mm-hmm. all available evidence that we have. And just, I, I'm, I know people will be, be saying that I'm downbeat and disappointed. I just think... With three points off sixth place, it's possibly a missed opportunity. But if you can't get the players in, you can't get the players in. He's only realistically how many games has he played? Nine, ten. Emery lost track. Seven. So he's very early into this uh, project. So we again, we shouldn't be in this situation. But we, you know, we, we've we've turned over managers in the last few years. So. I'm optimistic for the future, but I am a bit disappointed that this could be a missed opportunity because we we won't we won't see Chelsea and Liverpool performing as badly as they have done. They will push on, and I just think we could have at least picked up a Conference League place. Yes, uh, look, and that's a fair that's a fair uh, thought process to have uh, as well. I think we would have needed to be lucky, you know. I think we would have oh, needed absolutely. to be lucky to get there. Um, but if you look, you look at the trajectory we're on, if, if you know, take out the two games that are coming up after yes. Leicester, you know, there's no reason why we can't go and beat any team in this league. Obviously, we've got 
two shit games against Man City and Arsenal, but I, I expect us to go and give them a rattle as I will with any mm. team that we play over the over the next three, four months. So, you know, there's no reason why we still can't get there, depending on what happens above us. So we do, we just got to keep going the same way we have and and put the belief in the manager and get behind them. And, you know, it's important for us as fans not to be too downbeat and, and to get behind the team and the manager over the next few weeks because they're going to need us, especially oh, yeah. at home. Absolutely. Like, they're, like we're on the cusp of a good thing with Unai Emery. Like, we we are. We're on the cusp of a good thing. And, and, and as I say, we could be down in the mouth and for, for a short period of time and say, yes, we should have strengthened. And, and, and that's absolutely fine. You're not wrong to think that if you do think that. And uh, you're not wrong to think that, okay, it's good to have keep your powder dry. I think it's, 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 it's various. I think when, when I speak about wanting us to strengthen, I, do, I would have just liked us to have another striker come in, a recognized striker um, and a mediocre deal or maybe a loan striker or something like that that didn't break the bank. I'm not looking for us to go and spend $150 million on somebody uh, just from a, a specific numbers point of view. I think that would have been good. But, you know, happy to go with what we have. Una Emery has worked. He's worked, at, genuinely has worked magic so far in what he's done. I'm interested to see the likes of Arsenal and Man City come and see if they can break down their six at the back, their seven at the back, or potentially our nine at the back um, <laughs> when, we play, when we play them in, in the upcoming weeks. But we'll get over Leicester first. And I think we go to Leicester this weekend, and we can still be very buoyant, and we can go there with a game plan and a tight-knit team and a good manager. And, uh, you know, we've been, we said it an awful lot when Gerrard was here. You know, Gerrard didn't improve any of the players. Let's come in here. I think one thing you can put in the absolute positive box, and you can't underestimate it, is Unai Emery has improved quite a lot of players incrementally, but he's improved the the squad nature, the squad uh, the squad coherency, should I say it, and and the tactical co- cohesion, should I say, uh, within the team as well. So you can't buy that. Uh, you can you can only train that into teams as well. So um, yeah, look, it's not the end of the world, but. Uh, might be saying that if we finish 19th. Uh, might be, we'll be revisiting this if we finish 19th come the end of the season, which I obviously know that we're less likely to do. No, well, there's no, um, there's no danger of us going down. I, I no, said to you, la- I no, said no. to you last night, it's or this morning, whatever it was. It, it's, it's the difference between finishing potentially sixth and potentially 14th, which yes. could both easily happen. But and regardless of what happens, it's next year that we we need to be aiming towards. But as you start to get a bit older, that gets very annoying to having to say yeah. that every year. It's another year lost. Another year lost because we put the belief in, in Slippy G and fucked us and set us back another 12 months. So, mm. anyway, there you yeah. go. You're in your 57th year, Michael. I'm in my 37th. And absolutely, I am 100% doing I am a supporter. 100%. And I'm right in the middle. And I think everybody's, <laughs> everybody's... Yeah, you're right in the middle. Uh, so, so, we're... Uh, yeah, so 37, 47, 57... Uh, there so and and as I say I think that's that is a good way to end it you know we I will absolutely support Una Emery regardless it's it's not in question I think he can work wonders and I think he has worked wonders and all the available evidence but what he's able to do with the players that he has at, at hand it's it's going on longer now than the new manager bounce if that makes sense there's something there he's found the formula and it may change and it may tweak and long may it continue under under a very good manager Um. And hey, let's see. As I said before, Bertrand Troy comes in, scores two goals, gets two assists. That could be really, really uh, beneficial between now and the end of the season as well. So we'll see. Because I expect us to be involved in low-scoring games at times this season. 
which is good, which is a good thing. Anyway, guys, we've got to go. It's half past 10. Good God, I said I'd only be doing this. I'd only do this for like 15 minutes, but it's been a good conversation. Hope you all enjoyed it. As I say, look, things didn't pan out with the transfer window the way that we would all like. We all like a bit of excitement, but um, Leicester coming up this weekend and uh, uh, Aston Villa welcome Leicester. And as I say, we will be back with some sort of a pre-match um, show tomorrow. Um, I don't even know if you're available, Paddy, but I'll be going with a pre-match show of sorts tomorrow. I don't know if you're around. I should have checked that with you. So join us again tomorrow at half past nine, guys. Thanks so much for that. It's been a really good conversation. Sorry we couldn't get to all your comments. Um, you've, you guys have have, have really ch- chatted it out inside there as well. And uh, there's been some really good ideas in there. But thanks a million for watching. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy. And as always, regardless of who's wearing the shirt, we will always we will always shout up the villa. Up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.